Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 208, brought to you by Hook'em.com and our good friends at Bud Light. I'm Cedric Golden, as usual, joined by the Duck, Kirk Bowles. And you know, Duck, it's Super Bowl week coming up, and uh, you know, the Longhorns extended that streak. Another Longhorn is in the Super Bowl. And what do you know? We went and grabbed him. Our guy, Alex Okafor, my fellow Pflugerville resident, yes, is sir. with yes, us. Sir. How you doing, Alex? Man, I'm doing great, man. You know, excited about the opportunity ahead, just kind of soaking up this whole experience. Yeah, we're so happy for you. When did it sink in? Did it sink in last Sunday or did it take a while? Man, it honestly didn't sink in probably till the day after when we had our team meeting, kind of when they were breaking down, you know, what the next two weeks will look like. That's kind of when it hit me, you know, everything, all the highs and lows, all the emotions from the game. You don't really get to, you know, you don't really get to set your sights on the Super Bowl because you were working towards that point. Right, right. After that team meeting, it's it's, kind of here and we're working towards that now. Well, I know this is a great, great time for you. You you got a ring – but you missed the Super Bowl last season. You had that torn peg muscle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How special is it for you, especially watching you make some noise there at the end, getting into it with Josh Allen? I was laughing. <laughs> how special is it to be suited up mm-hmm. and you get to go after Father Christmas, Tom Brady, of <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday? Oh, man, it's, uh, it's incredible, man. It's, um, it's something you work for. Everybody in their career – you know, just wants the opportunity to play in the big game. And uh, last year I wasn't able to get that opportunity, but thankfully enough, our team pulled it out. But um, to go into this year and get that same opportunity, man, that's unreal. And, uh, you know, I'm just grateful for this opportunity and ready to give it my all. Is, uh, is there a little kid in you come out after y'all beat the Bills and all the confetti's going off. <laughs> Can you describe those emotions, Alex? Yeah, man. It's, um, you know, it's one of the biggest accomplishments you can do in this profession, not just the NFL, but in, you know, just in the football universe in general, man. Just making it to this game is something special within itself. So, uh, you know, once that confetti hits and, you know, we're on stage with the trophy and whatnot, it's, it's an unreal experience. And you just, you know, you remember all the times, you know, growing up that got you to this point, and you're just uh, grateful for those experiences as well. You know, I always, I always kid my fellow Tylerite, Aaron Ross, about, you know, he's just maybe the most unluckiest person on earth. I mean, he, you, he, won, he won two Super Bowls with the Giants, won the Thorpe Award National Championship at Texas, got a hot wife, Sonia Richards. I mean, nothing <laughs> Nothing has worked out for A. Ross. I feel bad for A. Ross. Poor guy. Poor guy. But I'm going to tell you, you were on those Saints teams that were so close. 
to breaking through the pass interference penalty that didn't happen on the Mikael mm-hmm. Roby. Stephon Diggs taking it to the house on mm-hmm. the last play. Uh, can you can you encapsulate how bad you felt on those days and compared to what you felt on Sunday when you finally mm-hmm. broke through? Yeah, kind of just kind of going back and highlighting what you said. I've been knocking at the door a couple times, even even further than you may realize when I was on those early Cardinal teams that were making some noise with Bruce Arians. We were knocking yes. at the door as well. So I've been in this position before and finally to be able to get over the hump, just going back to the first question, it brings out all those emotions, not just from middle school and high school and college, but, you know, my previous years in the league, just all the emotions that came with that, just being able to get over the hump and – and being able to play in this big game is huge, man. What about your little uh, tiff or skirmish with Josh <laughs> Allen? I mean, that, that was as clean a play as you're going to get in football. And here's Josh <laughs> Allen chunking a football at you. I, what did you think when you when you felt him hit, hit you with the ball? Man, everything happened so fast, and everything was just pure emotions, man. And, um, you know, just trying to finish him on the ground. We've been chasing him all game. So just trying to finish him, I, I guess I bring, brought him down after the whistle. He took offense to that and threw the ball at my head. You know, we've been programmed to already hate quarterbacks, so, you know, that just <laughs> took it to 10. So, you know, I, it was just in a very emotional play, and then, you know, I got blindsided, and it was over, man. <laughs> well, at least, yeah, yeah, that was 76 was like 600 pounds. Yeah, he came out I, mean, I was like, man, he hit old from behind. <laughs> you turned around and looked at him. You're like, yeah, you know, I'm not trying to get suspended. <laughs> Plus, he was bigger than you. So I have mm-hmm. to ask you about your quarterback, Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes. Uh, well, I told Kirk, I go, I'm, I'm from Tyler, and that's Patrick's born in Tyler. And I went to little dribblers games, and there was Patrick Mahomes, Greg Ward Jr., and mm-hmm. Tyus Bowser on – playing against each other, and these guys all end up in the pros. Uh, What kind of teammate has he been? Because I know him to be a legend from birth, but you know him as a pro. What kind of teammate has he been, and what kind of leadership has he shown you guys in trying to get this repeat? Yeah, man, Pat Pat has been unreal. Um, I've I've only gotten to know him the past two years but everything I heard about him before I got there has, you know, been on been on par with everything that I've seen. You know, he's an incredible leader. We know that he's an incredible talent, but, you know, just to turn around and off the field, be the guy that he is, you know, it speaks volumes. And, you know, a lot of people in this league have talent, but for him to bring it all together and continuous, continuously lead us through these big games into the promised land, man, it, it speaks for him. Do you guys have any bet on the uh, Red Raider Longhorn game this year. Texas beats them in overtime. Uh, I don't know if you guys were able to wager on that or not. Private. Yeah, man. This this year has been so crazy with everything. I could I could barely keep up with the college season, so we weren't able to bet on it this year. But you know, I think I got them last year, so you know that works out. <laughs> well, you know, since so you weren't able to keep up, uh, Texas fired Tom Herman. Uh, I'm just letting you know, and they hired uh, Steve Sarkeesian. He's he's, yep, he's yep. the new coach. Um, We'll, we'll get on that later. I uh, wanted to ask you, um, how tough was preparation week to week during this COVID, um, not, not being able to do things in your regular routine, not being able to blow off steam, uh, you know, after a game? How, how tough was that, and, and how special does it make the journey knowing that you still made it to this Super Bowl despite all those challenges? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it, you know, just adds to the experience when we, you know, when we look back on this season, 
all the ups and downs, all the adversity that we faced, man, it's going to make everything so much sweeter. But, you know, just what you were saying earlier, it made it, it made it a tough year. Just, you know, being confined to your home all season, just going to work and back, um, getting tested every single day, you know, sometimes not knowing if you're going to play Sunday or Monday or even Tuesday, you know, you put everything into preparation and to not have a target date is difficult within itself. So, you know, just all these hurdles and obstacles just, you know, made it harder, but it'll make it sweeter at the end. Talk about your defense a little bit. I mean, Pat Mahomes and all these weapons he has, you know, Hardiman and Tyreek Hill and Kelsey scores a touchdown every game, it seems like. <laughs> and and it seems like you guys get overshadowed, but you're a mm-hmm. darn good defense and and you're part of one of the best defensive lines in pro football. Uh how do you think y'all match up uh, in the interior there in the Lions uh, with you got Frank Clark and Chris Jones, yourself and Wharton. And how do you think that matchup looks to you on paper, Alex? Um, like you said, like you highlighted on, I think we have one of the best D lines, if not the best D line in the NFL. And, uh, you know, they have a great offensive attack as well. Great old line with that. So it's going to be a great challenge. And, you know, these are the type of challenges, you know, that, that cost for big games and in, in, in big Super Bowls. So it's definitely going to be a, a battle up front between the trenches. But, you know, we're excited about that challenge because we know we can make a name for ourselves. And, and Spags is like a defensive wizard, I think, uh, the way he disguises coverage and and you don't know what's uh, coming. And obviously it looked like you all rattled Josh Allen really early and he didn't know when you were coming. I know you guys get a – a sack out of your DBs like every game. It seems like <laughs> he disguises so well. It might right. be a little, a little harder to dis- this uh, to rattle Tom Brady. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. How many times have you gone against Tom Brady, and what kind of challenge does that present? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I might have played him three or four times max, something like that. So not a crazy amount of times, but you know what? What's good for this team, especially the defense, is a lot of our players are familiar with Tom Brady. Um Got to the Chiefs, you know, they had those two big AFC championship games. Um, Spags, defensive coordinator for the Giants when they were able to beat the uh, Patriots in the Super Bowl those years. So, I mean, we're all quite familiar with him. And I think, you know, that I have us prepared to play in two weeks. Do you uh, ever get him on the ground? Do you ever sack Brady? Yeah, I think I've sacked him twice in my career. Oh, man. A lot of people don't get there. That's that, that's going to be fun to, to watch. Um, what what did you see on in film study um, from this game? Um, their, their win uh, this past Sunday. Yeah, I mean, it just it looks like he has a better grasp of the offense, and you know, we we knew that was going to happen. Um, it was just a matter of time before everything was going to start clicking for them. But yeah, I think the biggest difference is between when we played them the first time. And now it just seems like that offense is flowing so much smoother and, you know, so much better. His command at the line of scrimmage has improved and, you know, it shows. Well, these are two of the most dynamic offenses in the NFL. We know your weapons on y'all's side, but they've they've got a slew of them too, including a couple of tight ends. So, you know, do you – Try to decide what to stop. Can you stop everything? I know they've run the ball so much better this year with mm-hmm. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette had a big game uh, on Sunday. Do you have to pick what you try to limit or can you try to stop everything? Yeah, when you play, and like you said, it's similar to us. When you play a team with just, you know, an assortment of weapons, you can't focus on taking away everybody. You got to focus on taking two things away. 
And that's always the running game. The running game is always going to be one. We're always going to try to stop the run. And then two, you know, Spags usually comes in and tells us what's the, you know, what's the other target we're taking away. So I'm sure the, I'm sure the same game plan will go, you know, according this week as well. Mm-hmm. I don't have that yet because we haven't started, but you know, it's coming. I know. Um, I know you, you keep your, your, your head to the grindstone because you got, you got things you're taking care of, but I know you're always paying attention to what's going on in the hometown. Uh, what's your take on what happened at Texas? Uh, Tom Herman out, out after four seasons. They bring in Coach Sarkeesian. Uh, were you shocked that Tom left or was let go? And what do you think is going to happen under this new coaching regime? Right. Um, I was a little surprised they let him go, not because of, you know, the record or anything like that, but just because of the timing of everything. It was kind of – it was a little weird to me. It wasn't right after the season ended, so that was a little different to me. But, um, you know, I think the most disappointing part uh, while Coach Herman was there was that, you know, coming into Texas, he, you know, he commanded a dynamic offense at Houston. And uh, I think more than anything, we wanted to see that here at Texas. And just, there was just times where I felt like, you know, our offense just didn't play well enough. And that was disappointing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, moving forward, Steve Sarkeesian, man, he, um, you know, I'm excited moving forward. Um, you know, this is, this is huge for him. This is huge for us. And I wish him nothing but the best, you know. More than anything, I just want to win. So if he can win, <laughs> uh, I'm Team Sark. <laughs> How about uh, your Super Bowl ring, uh I don't know how big the ring was. Uh, do you do you wear it much? I know you didn't play in the game, but you yeah, obviously earned it. Do you, do you wear it very often? Man, something something like that. I look at every I look at it every now and then. So I'll go back in and you know check it out every now and then. But no, I don't I don't really wear it that often, man. I, I'm nervous when I leave the house with that thing, man. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, who's who's gonna try to jack Alex Okafor? Where are you at now? Sit like six four two sixty. Who's gonna try to jack you? Listen, man. It's In just the suburbs. About, listen, there's just something about walking around with a big ring on your finger, man. I just don't want to draw no att- uh, attention. I don't want no unnecessary conversations at the grocery store with COVID going around. So, you know, I just admire it in the crib, man. Just put a little, just put a little uh, mask on the ring (laughs) to match the one you're wearing at Walmart. Um, Need to ask you about Joseph Osai. He had this huge, was it five sack game, Kirk? He had this huge five sack game at the end of his career. And it brought to mind, it was at the Alamo bowl. It wasn't it at the Alamo bowl where you, where you basically you know made yourself about an extra million or so with four sacks in your last game. Uh, what's his upside? I know you've been watching him. Um, well, first of all, don't shortchange me. It was four and a half sacks. Ah! <laughs> you got to throw the half in there. I need everything. It was a half. Oh, man, that half was big. I like it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, the biggest thing for him, man, is you just see his confidence growing, and he's, he's played his best ball as of late. And that's what you want to do going into the NFL, man. You want to have your best film, you know, late in the season. So those are going to be the first games that team officials watch. And uh, he definitely has that going for him. So I'm just excited to see, you know, where his ceiling's at and, you know, how far he can take it. And, and you're sitting here, you know, about to be in the Super Bowl second year in a row. You're not even 30 yet, are you? 29. 29. Turns 30 the day after the Super Bowl. 
Mm. So there you go. Well, some did, homework on Oak. Then he'll officially be an old man. Then when he's <laughs> thirty, so something you like live that. and just, just wait till you're. Well, my God, I'm not going to put mine out there. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if I don't put mine out there, I damn sure ain't putting Kirk's out there. <laughs> we'll move right along. Uh, you, you probably got another eight or ten years in you, though, don't you? Uh, I mean, for this league. Yeah. Well, hey, we'll see, man. I've always told myself I want to go ten, and then after ten years, I'm gonna take it one year at a time, man. You can't, you can't, you can't see these things ten years down the line. It, yeah. People aren't blessed like that in this profession. Exactly. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do after football? What's what's your what are your goals after football? Man, I don't know, man. There's gonna be a lot of opportunity for me. Um, for me, most importantly, I want to stay close to home. So I want to stay, you know, particularly near Pflugerville, near the Austin areas. And once I get some free time, man, I just want to start continuing to invest in the communities, into the neighborhoods, and, you know, just build this area the right way. Um, yeah, so I don't have any plans set in stone, but, you know, just more philanthropy work out in Pflugerville and, you know, just giving back to my community. Uh, tell our listeners what you did for your elementary school. Yeah, so we, uh, we have a, a program called the King, Kingdom United Reading Program out here in Kansas City in which we, uh, we designate like a series of books that deal with equality and diversity. And what we do is we adopt a school. So I adopted my, uh, my hometown school, Spring Hill, out in Pflugerville. And what we'll do is we'll send each kid in that school a series of books and with those books, there'll be discussion questions monthly. And, then, you know, it just kind of gives, you know, kids a, a stepping stone early in their lifetime. It just exposes them to, you know, diversity and the importance of equality and stuff like that. You know, we figured that with all the social justice issues going on, man, if we can get a hold of kids at a young age and, you know, just raise them and bring it up right, you know, kind of deal with some of these issues down the line. Well, it's just been an emotional, traumatic year we all know that i mean uh, how did it leave you i mean we've had you know all kinds of stuff insurrection at the capitol we've had transition at the very top of uh, the food chain uh, are you optimistic about this country and where we're going and you think there's a lot more hope than there is uh, anger and hate and worry alex yeah absolutely man they always say it's darkest before dawn and i think 2020 just from a, for a multitude of reasons, was a dark year for everyone, man. And, uh, you know, at, at, at times you just felt like it couldn't get much worse. And I know that for specific individuals as well. And, you know, just moving forward, we can only go up. And I'm excited about that. We can only improve and get better. And I think more than anything, everything that happened this past year, it did, I think it brought us closer together than divided us. I mean, it showed us a lot of people's true colors and, but you know, the people that do have core foundations and morals, it brought us all closer together and, you know, we'll build from that. No, it does. But, and we appreciate what you do. Don't we said, Oh yeah, we do, man. You, um, you mentioned being raised right. I know when I was the beat writer for the Longhorns and then uh, got my column early, I would get these calls, man. And, uh, it's like, hello. Yes, this is Sonia Okafor. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> you need to quit writing about my baby. Sat really? him down because they moved him inside, and he's 250 pounds, and he's going up against these 350-pound men, and you're acting like he's supposed to have 10 sacks. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Listen, your listen. Mama, your mama knows her football. I'm going to tell you, she knew listen. what she was talking about. You tell her I say hi. Man, listen, two things on that front. First and foremost, I'd never heard this story, so that's incredible, man. That sounds that sounds just like my mom. But the second piece to that is, I lost her this past 
off season in May. Do the so uh, you did what? You know, it's been uh, yeah. She she passed away this past May in the off Man, I did not know that. Oh wow. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been a like I said, it was hard, you know, for me personally and a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, hearing that story, you just told me I've never heard that in my life, and that oh, honestly man. just made my made my day, man. Alex, more than once. Probably yeah. five or six times she called during your career. <laughs> oh, man, First of incredible. all, when you were in high school, she we had some nice conversations. We had a relationship. She would call, mm-hmm. she would call, and um, and then um I think they moved, I don't remember which year it was, but you were playing on the end, but they moved you inside. You were it was playing my a second lot year, my you're, sophomore year. You're yeah. moving playing a lot more inside and uh mm-hmm. you know, and so you weren't you weren't on the edge as much, so you weren't gonna be getting on as many sacks and Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, Okafor, who had blah, blah, blah sacks his freshman year, blah, blah. She was like, well, you need to make sure you <laughs> – she, she got golden on the right track. I'll just say that. You, you, don't, have talking about. you don't want yeah, to – She did a mom. good job, man. I, I, my, my condolences. I had no idea, Alex. Man, it's all good, man. It's, um, you know, me and my family have made peace with the situation, and we're, you know, we're moving forward. We've been, we've been strong, and things are getting better. That's great. That's great. Well, yeah, you, uh, you told us before we started, you guys are treating this like a normal game. You, you don't go on Monday for a week of hoopla and, and interviews mm-hmm. and everything like that. Will that will that make it easier, or do you feel like that robs some of the joy and the specialness of this event? Yeah, I mean, it's two parts. It's uh, you know, you want all the extracurriculars. You want to you know engulf in that and, and soak that all in and take it all in because it is a special time. But, uh, you know, at the same time, that could hurt you as well because, you know, your focus isn't as laser sharp as it should. So, unfortunately, all the extracurriculars are gone. But, you know, to our advantage, we do get to lock in and, you know, just be a little bit, you know, with a sharper focus than, than right. normal. Yeah. No, that, that, that media night on Tuesday is a circus anyway. Yeah. I mean <laughs> – I mean, yeah. you, I, I met the King, King, the guy from Good Burger, Keenan, or oh, yeah, Kel, yeah. Kel. Yeah. I've met uh, Don King. I mean, there's just everybody is yeah. out there at the last Super Bowl <laughs> I went to. But, hey, before we let you go, Kirk and I usually do this thing called Hot Corner, and we ask about three or four questions that are outside of sports or whatever, and uh, just give a quick answer on it. Um, if you're hosting movie night, at your house, at the, and I'm sure you got the big screens in effect. Um, yep. And and you're you're asked to play three movies. Which three movies are you gonna show at movie night? Oh man, oh that's stiff competition. Um, man, uh, I guess my favorite movie ever, Training Day. Training Day. Oh man, excellent, excellent. You know, that's a that's a classic. Uh, Another personal favorite is probably going to be Goodfellas. You know, I like my mob movies. That's, my, that's in my top three in mob movies. Yeah. I'm a mob movie guy. I was about to say, that movie's incredible. And then I'm going to go, you know, childhood favorite. I'm going to go The Sandlot, man. That's a classic. Yeah. Wow. Hey, just you know. just watched that two years ago for the first time, and Kirk cussed me out. He cussed yeah. me out when he found out I'd never seen it. I just said, I'd never seen it. But I, <laughs> but I watched it. I've watched like five times since. Okay, okay. I was about to say. Hey, man, you're a little late to the party, but, be, you know, better late than never. Okay, here's a question. If you weren't a football player as a career, what would your occupation be right now, you think? Oh, man, this is such a hard one, man, because I've played, you know, football my whole life. Um, I don't know, man. That's hard for me to answer. I, do, I, I honestly don't know. I love music. I'm not very musically gifted, but, you know, 
yeah. a, dream, a, a dream job would be maybe like a record A&R, go out there and find up and coming talent and, you know, right. get signed to big labels. Just, right. I mean, obviously I've never done nothing like that, but just something I'd be interested in. Right. Yeah. All right. Here's my last one. Who's your celebrity crush? Oh, y'all trying to get me in trouble, man. I got a girlfriend. <laughs> we asked Shipley. We asked all, who did Shipley say? I don't remember who Shipley's was, but it was funny. But uh, yeah, Matt, Matt Rules was, um, what's her name from Who's the Boss? Alyssa Milano. Yeah. We okay. both kind of shared that. We're around the same age. So yeah, this is Celebrity Crush, uh, maybe possible hall pass. We're not trying to get you in trouble. Uh, no question, no question. Well, look, listen, my my celebrity crush is Riri, Rihanna. And wow. I think even my girlfriend wow. can understand that one right there. Wow, wow. <laughs> we always tell, I always tell my wife, if I, I go, if, if you uh, walked up on me having dinner with another woman I'm not supposed to be with, she always mm-hmm. said, just make sure she's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to catch you with no ugly woman. That's a deal breaker. Hey, well, if, that's, if that's the case, I'm pretty sure Riri applies. I think Riri's okay, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, here's my last one for you. Mm-hmm. Tell us something about you that people don't know. Just some little thing about you, like you're allergic to popcorn or you always want yeah. to be in the circus or whatever. Man, something completely random. When I was young, yeah. um, what was it? It might have been like, late elementary school, like fifth grade to like seventh grade, I was really big boarding, you know, and big what? Skateboarding. Oh, and it's crazy wow. to see somebody as big as me on a skateboard. <laughs> but, you know, I, was, I was doing a little something, something for those two years, man. I was, it was during my little Tony Hawk phase. So <laughs> I, I feel bad for the skateboard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think we went through a couple of them Walmart skateboards. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh man. It's been fun. It's been fun. Okay, absolutely. Well, Alex, man, we appreciate it. Big game on Sunday, Super Bowl 55. Alex, uh, get after TB12. Mm-hmm. Get that sack. Get that ring. And then you can have two, two Super Bowl rings in two seasons with the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, we always appreciate it. It's, good. it's been fun uh, catching up with you. And we'll talk to you again. Sounds good, fellas. Have me whenever. I appreciate y'all. Right. Okay, Stay man. Take have care. Have a great game, Alex. Bye-bye. Thank you. On Second Thought. Crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Duck, the great Alex Okafor, just a fun, just a fun guy to, to be around to talk to. Um, always had, always had the um, the professorial type aura about him as a player, a student of the game, and uh, really enjoying some success. With the Kansas City Chiefs, I, I just, I just think quality person. Yeah, he, he just classy. He's, he's, you know, what you'd want in the sun. You know, he, he's just a terrific stand-up guy, and what a role model 
you know, for young people and, and the fact that he gives back to the community. He just, you know, we can't we can't say enough good things about Alex Okafor. Yeah, and I'm just so sorry that his mom passed. I mean, Duck, we had some fun. Yeah, oh, I remember you. <laughs> yeah, I sat right next to you. I was like, man, say Okafor, call me again. <laughs> she <laughs> got, got she got after me, man, and I and there, I mean, you'd be watching every sometimes that you're I'm over there and I'm giggling because. This woman knew her football. God rest her soul. She knew her football, and she loved her baby. And her baby is making her proud. And um, it's just a good story, man. Just a really good story. We we love him sharing some time with us. Oh, yeah. So uh, before we get out of here, what what do you think is going to happen Sunday? I mean, it's – it's going to be a – it's going to be a fun game. I think that the – I think the Chiefs are just – they score in so many different ways. They're too and they, explosive. They're too so explosive. explosive. And they have arguably the greatest tight end to ever play the game. The yeah. greatest receiving tight end ever. He had the greatest season for a tight end ever in, in this, this past regular season in Travis Kelsey. And like you said, he catches a touchdown every game. They have the most dangerous receiver in the game. Fastest receiver, the probably, fastest, right? most elusive receiver in the game, and Tyreek Hill, and uh, they 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 don't run it great, but uh, uh, Daryl Williams has been doing a really good job. Um, he's pretty much supplanted Clyde Edwards Hilaire as the lead back in that offense, and they expect Le'Veon Bell back. Uh, he'll be a good third down option. They just seem to be clicking on all cylinders, and they have the best player in all of football. Yeah, yeah, you left out McCole Hardeman. I mean, he blew up. He had that one snafu, you know. But Boy, he, he came back with a vengeance, didn't he, Doug? He did. He wanted it. He wanted to atone for his mistake. So, I just I just think, you know, I don't know if Tom Brady is – he's not vintage Tom Brady. And he hadn't played great during this postseason. Now, he's no. got a lot of weapons, too but not quite the weapons that Kansas City has. So, I you know, what's Kansas City, like three, three-and-a-half-point favorite? And, mm-hmm. you know, I could I see, think that'll go up. I do, too. I think Kansas City probably win by a touchdown. Mm-hmm. what I'd say. I think so, too. Uh, Mahomes is not going to let them lose. And Andy Reid's going to get another ring. Yeah. Um, I know we hadn't talked since the um, – you know, we, we, we took off last week, so we didn't get to talk about the NFC Championship game. I think Aaron Rodgers cost the Packers that game, Doug. Do you? Yeah. He Not didn't run because he, did, because he didn't run. Well, that's uh, true. That's Matt, Matt LaFleur made a mistake by not going for six. Either way, you're going to need a touchdown either way. Either way. But Aaron Rodgers had two chances Yeah, to run to the pylon, to the corner. And even if he doesn't make it on that third down with JPP in pursuit, it's going to be like fourth down inside the five-yard line. Yeah. And he fell in love with the Devontae Adams candy. It's been working all year. And I told you a month ago, Doug, that I, I, I just felt like they weren't going to make it because of Aaron Rodgers. They don't want to run the football. And people are going to take away Devontae Adams. They didn't take him away during the regular season with 18 touchdown catches. Right. But but I knew that Tampa Bay was going to take him away, and and they did. And I just thought that Rogers, um, he's I don't know that he's uh, no I don't think he's a dual threat any longer. I don't know that he he runs like he used to run because uh, they, they don't beat the Cowboys in Dallas with those late field goals from Mason Crosby, if not for Aaron Rodgers' legs. 
And I don't know that he has those legs anymore. Well, he had some drops, but I agree with you. He had to run on that. He had open field in front. I truly think he'd have scored because he had the forward momentum. He had angles on him. And like I said, like you said, if he wouldn't have scored, I think he might have been the two or the one yard line, but I think he would have got in. I think that's what he'd be so upset about. But the decision to kick the field goal when you got to have a touchdown. Either way. way. Either way, you give yourself as many chances to get that touchdown. Field goal was meaningless to me. And not only that, you know, I was talking to my sons about that. We were watching it. It's like, where were they, the nine-yard line? They were on the eight. They were on the eight. eight. So if you don't score when you go for it, they've got the ball in the eight, and you've got three timeouts and the two-minute warning, and they're not as comfortable, you know, inside their ten. I remember Tom Brady was struggling. He was struggling. So I just think that's on Matt LaFleur. And uh, I don't know. All right, I'll ask you this question. Where is Aaron Rodgers next year? Is he trying to force the Packers to trade him? Because he looks at Tom Brady, what he did in one year. They've already got the same number of NFC championships. And Brady's been in Tampa less than 12 months. So do you think he definitely comes back to Green Bay? I don't know, Duck. Um, whoever gets him is going to have. They're not going to trade. They're not going to trade him in conference. They're going to trade him to an AFC team. How about if Deshaun Watson leaves Houston? That's a destination. That's a possible destination. But if I'm Aaron Rodgers, um, I'm I'm looking at somewhere like um, maybe Miami. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Tua's the guy. Um, I just nope. think they're not ready. I think more San Francisco, like Ooh, uh, man. But if you're great, but if you're Green Bay, man, do you really make him the mis- missing piece in San Francisco? And and maybe he well, carves you up two or three times before he gets out of there and wins the Super Bowl. The Niners are close, Doug. They're close. Oh, yeah. Jimmy G is not that guy. But no. the li- the Niners are close. So I think Aaron Rodgers might be that missing piece. How about Matt? How about Detroit Lions? I think that's a. I don't, I don't know that he'd want to go there. He oh. wants to go to a place that that's probably has a chance. I think Miami, San Francisco, uh, those both uh, Los Angeles Rams, yeah, Philadelphia Colts. Eagles, Colts. Colts. No, Eagles aren't ready, but the Colts and the, the Rams. Colts. Yeah, the Rams. I, if I had to pick one, and I don't think, um, like I said, I don't think they would trade him in the NFC. Yeah, the one you just mentioned, the Colts. Philip Rivers retired. Uh, the Colts have a great offensive line. They have some good running backs. Right. T.Y. Hilton still has a little bit of juice left. Um, Michael Pittman Jr. Yeah, and, and a really good and a really good defense. Really good and defense. they and they play indoors. Doug. They indoors. They play eight games in Indy yeah. every year, and they're going to play the Houston Texans once a year. That's nine indoor games right. guaranteed every year. I yeah. would love. I, I would think that he would love that. Yeah, other place maybe Washington. They need a quarterback. They've got a real salty defense, but horrible owner, horrible ownership, horribly run. They don't have the weapons, and I think probably people are going to want to avoid Houston. I don't think people, you know, want to come to Houston. You know, given what they've done. You know, how about one more? How about Pittsburgh? Oh boy, what would it take? Oh, what do you get for? Uh, for him, you get Juju and Minka Fitzpatrick, and and, and some uh, draft picks that that aren't going to yeah, be great. First yeah, round. but because I think that Big Ben may be done. I think Big Ben may be done. What I would do if I'm 
Green Bay, I go to Aaron Rodgers on bending knee, beg his forgiveness, and say we're trading Jordan Love for whatever we can get. We're gonna and we're gonna upgrade our offense. And you apologize for drafting Jordan Love. Well, yes, you could have had T. Higgins. Yes, you could so, have a lot of people, a lot of weapons. No, that's that's true too. So yeah. you got a uh, running back and Aaron Jones. So oh he's, yeah, he's, he, he if, could if, use some more help if, if they handed him the ball. I'm still bitter from fantasy league. But. <laughs> On second thought, true crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Duck, the Texas basketball team... They found out just how good they are, but they also found out how great the Baylor Bears are. I told you and Brian Davis that I had Texas losing by double digits, but I didn't think, I thought Baylor was good. They're great. They're great. They are great. They're at another level. Good. They really are. And they play with such poise and confidence and uh, they just, they just don't blink. You know, they don't, even when Texas got up, what was it? Eight points? Was it 59, 51, something like that? And mm-hmm. then you had the Greg Brown tech, which we can talk about. Um, <laughs> wow. they, don't blink. They, they know they're the better team and there's no panic in them, even on the road. You know, and I thought that uh, those Baylor guards, you know, Shaka Smart has told me many times in the past that um, Davion Mitchell and Jared Butler or, or the most physical backcourt yeah. in the country. And he, and he told me, he goes, those guys play like football players. And he, that's how he wants his guys to play. But his guys were, were they weren't overmatched, but they, but they were uh, as a unit. When you, when you look at it in totality, Butler and uh, Mitchell outclassed Jones, Andrew Jones, who did have 25 points. Courtney yeah. Ramey, who was missing in action early. And Matt Coleman, who who turned the ball over way too much, five turnovers for Matt Coleman. They just blitzed Matt Coleman, and he's he's not. They do that to him every time they play Baylor. When he gets the ball, they get after him, and they just yeah. take the ball from him. Yeah, they're Andrew Jones and Shaka were calling those two guard, Baylor guards relentless, and they were. They just on both ends of the court. It's like their help defense and, and defensive rotations are so spot on. You, you, you're never open for very long. Mm-hmm. You, you're just in a blink. And if you miss the chance, then they're going to be all over you and force a bad shot or a turnover. Texas had 17 turnovers. And you're right. I mean, you know, I thought Andrew Jones was on his A game. Now, he had a couple mess ups and, and Chaka questioned some of his on-ball defense. But – he was the only one close to his A game. I just, lo- I just love him on the offensive end. Uh, that kid finds a way to put the biscuit in the basket. He can score with the best of them. And big first half, um, they lose 83-69. Uh, 
Baylor's unbeaten. Is it 17 and 0 or 18 and 0? It's one of the two. 17 and 0. 17 and 0. 9 and 0. And 9 and 0 in the league. Uh, they're going to win the Big 12, and they may win the national championship. But the home team, Duck, they've dropped two in a row for the first time all season. Texas is now 11-4 and four overall, 5-3 and three in the conference. Uh, I think more alarming is that all three of those conference losses have come at the house. Yeah. Like we were talking, they're 3-3 three and three in conference play at home, and, you know, that's not going to get it done. And when you've already lost your home games against the elite – and by that, I mean Baylor and Tech and Oklahoma and have to go to those three places. That's, that's very concerning. And they've got a big game in Stillwater on Saturday uh, against Cade Cunningham and those dangerous Cowboys. They can ill afford another loss because this could kind of get away from them. They've lost three out of four now. And who knows how the Kentucky game would have gone on, on that road trip had they played that. So, it's there. There better be a sense of urgency when they play Oklahoma State on Saturday because, you know, losing three out of four could be turn into losing six out of eight, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you've lost your, your entire mojo from what's been a great season. So, far. and then the Shaka Watch will start again, and we don't want to go down that road. No, we, we really don't. don't. We really we don't. don't. Well, I love. Ask, do you think they've lost confidence? No, you don't. The one thing that, that I hang my hat on with this team, Duck is they play with a tremendous amount of belief. And they're not going to play Baylor every week. Yeah. They're better than Oklahoma State. I don't know that they beat them, but they're better than Oklahoma State. Um, they're just as good as Tech. They lost on a heartbreaker from that bad boy, uh, McClung. Yeah. Uh, they're better than Kansas. Uh, they're better than TCU. Oh, they're yeah. better than Iowa State, which has won like two games all year. So Texas, uh, I love – all you need to know about them, Duck, is when they came out in the second half after giving up that brutal three to Davion Mitchell at the end of the first half to be down 41-34, they came out in the second half and, and, and put up an 11-3 run and, and served and, and sent a message to the rest of the country. We might not beat Baylor, but no one's beating Baylor at this point. But look what we did to start the second half against Baylor. The Texas Longhorns, they may be on a little skid right now, Duck, but I don't think belief has anything to do with it. I think that um, they lost a couple of really close ones. COVID got it, reared its ugly head, and then they ran into, uh, for my money, the absolute best team in the country. Yeah, they're the Baylor Bears, they're a buzzsaw. But you're right about the start of the second half where they came out smoking. A.J. hits a three. Greg Brown hits a three. Jericho Sims has a big dunk. And then uh, uh, Coleman hits a step back three. And so and they're tied at 45 all. And you're thinking this is going to be some serious drama down there. It was really entertaining. Entertaining. It really was. It was so much fun to watch. And it's a shame they didn't have a full stadium uh, because, you know, that would have helped, you know, for – I think I think the visiting teams are it's like twenty two seventeen in the conference before this week. So it's so much easier to go into an, an opposing gym and know that people aren't going to be yelling at you. Yeah, it's not a beehive. It's a you're That's you're correct. you're rolling into Walmart at one a.m. I mean, yeah. it's very quiet in those places, and very I don't quiet. care how much noise you pipe in. Those aren't real people. Those and, are not real people sitting in seats. Oh. And I'm sorry that affects the referees too. When you have a, if you had fifteen thousand in there, you know, pulling for the horns. And speaking of the referee, 
Greg Brown's technical on the dunk, and what a ferocious dunk that was. That was a dunk I, of the year for Texas. It was, and I, I didn't think it rose to the level of a technical. I'm going to tell you why he got but I'm going to tell you why he got one. Okay, go ahead. I watched, I, you know, we both watched from home, and he never said anything. No, nothing. But he took two steps toward a guy on his back that he posterized, and he looked down at him and, and basically belittled him. That gets you a technical foul. It gets why, you a technical why? foul. It's like, I mean, it was a taunt. If if he had just turned and ran, and ran back down the court and raised the roof or whatever, it would have been fine. But you don't take two steps past the guy. That's like when Scottie Pippen put his testicles on Patrick Ewing's face after yeah. he dunked on him in that playoff game. You just don't do that. You just don't do but here's that. My point. Here's my point. They let – let go by so much incidental contact. And, they, let lot, play, Doug. Uh, they let them play. And a lot of players were looking at the ref like, what, you're not going to call that? They let it go, which is what we like. We, we let the players and the athletes decide the game. I just thought it was an overstep a little bit because he didn't say anything. He didn't point at him. He didn't, you know, he didn't even beat his chest. He just mugged for the cameras and stared well, at that. He looked down at him. Uh, Look down at him, and I, I, I think that uh, after a play like that, you just you let it go. But boy, those guys were not happy with Greg Brown on that. No, they weren't, and he's that's part of his growing up process, and he he's got to learn to play smarter. You know, he got get two fouls there, you know, early in the sixth half and first half, so he had to sit down. So it's just. But you got to, you know, you don't put it all on Greg Brown or even mm-hmm. that much on Greg Brown. You put it a lot more on Courtney Ramey and Matt Coleman. Jericho's Those are your leaders. Those are your leaders. Has to be more physical and a little bit more offensive geared. I like, I like Jericho was nice in in a lot of parts. They don't get it to him a lot. I mean, well, it's, it's a guard, it's a guards game, and okay. they don't really get it to him a whole lot. But when they did, I mean, he had like three dunks. Yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely a physical presence, but I do want to I do want to bring up the uh, you you had a great little exchange with Shaka. Uh, Baylor, Baylor comes in with loads of confidence, and those guards are really great. So you had a really good question to Shaka. Let's 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 hear it. Yeah, Shaka, it just seemed like the whole Baylor team played with such a confidence. Like you were talking about relish and matching up with other guards, and and they play with that confidence like 40 minutes. I don't know. Is that an intimidating type thing if you don't have that same confidence? Well, it's one of those things, Kirk, that I know as a coach, I don't want to speak for the players, but you know that they're not going to get rattled. You know that, you know, another word for confidence is poise. Um, And so even when, you know, they're up seven to start the half and, you know, we go on a run to, 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 to come out of halftime, you know that, okay, we took a lead. They're coming, they're coming. And we just didn't have enough, uh, you know, toughness, uh, to be honest, in a lot of ways to withstand that. Um, now, if, if we withstand that a little bit better, it's a closer game. Even then, you know, you're going to have to, to fight tooth and nail, like you said, for 40 minutes against the team. You know, whoever beat – to beat a team like this, uh, you just flat out have to be poised and tough and gritty, and you got to have some things go your way over the course of 40 minutes. Toughness and poise, Duck. 
yes. toughness and poise. That's a that's your recipe right there. That's a winning and, combination. And when you and, have talent like they do at Baylor, take them a long way. And Texas has toughness and Texas has poise. Yeah. They just ran into a better team. I don't think this gets away from Texas. I think that I, I, I mean, it's never easy to win in Stillwater. Uh, better teams than this one have gone in there and lost. But I don't think it gets away from Texas. I think they have a senior group, you know, a very experienced group. They have good on-court leadership. They're going to need Courtney Ramey to find it. Uh, he seems to play better on the road than he does at home. And so – and Andrew Jones has been their most consistent player. And Matt Coleman's got to be way better than he was. I don't think it gets away from them. The only reason it might would be the fact that this is such a tough league and you've got road trips to Waco, to Norman, to Stillwater, to Lubbock, and you still got to play Kansas again, which is yeah, – They're going to be mad. They're going to be mad. They're going to come in here mad. So that's the only reason why it's a little bit of a danger level. They need to right the ship. That and, and the virus, if the virus struck again and say you're without a couple starters and that can make their – you know, if they don't have three starters out, they're going to beat Oklahoma at home. Oklahoma Absolutely. was trying to choke and give it back to them, and Texas just kind of ran out of time. But they were without three weapons in their head coach. So – that's the only thing that worries me, the strength of the league with the road games they have looking at them and then possibility of the virus again. But uh, I don't know. We're, we're going to find a little bit out what they're made of on Saturday in Stillwater. That, that's, uh, that's, to me, that's a must win. If you really want to – you are who you say you are. And, yes, we're going to go deep into that NCAA tournament. This is a big weekend. On Second Thought. Well, that will do it for episode 208 of On Second Thought. We got to thank our friend Alex Okafor for graciously giving giving of his time in a very busy week. The Super Bowl's coming up, and we're going to have fun, and we will break break down the game next week, and uh, we'll we'll see what those Longhorns do in Stillwater. For the Duck, Kirk Bowles, I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.